I am so glad that you guys are my people. Um, that this is my church, that this is the, the people I worship with, um, your heart and your, uh, your life and just being with you. You know, today, I started here two years ago. Um, so we, this makes two years for us here. And we are, I, I, I'll tell you, um, I was just an, uh, a boy from southwest Arkansas, and I was nervous um, coming to the, the big old city of Tyler. And uh, I, um, you know, just where we have so many wonderful minds and thoughtful people in the church, and as a preacher, a lot of times you just feel like, who am I to be up here um, standing and talking with a microphone? And um, being with you guys has just been just the best experience for us and for our family. Uh, I stood up here about four weeks ago and said, hey, we need to raise some money. And uh, that's terrifying for me. I've never been in a place where I had, where, where that was a, a thing. Um, and I, I, I was blessed enough not to have to talk about that ever. And I'll tell you, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at talking about raising funds. Um, I would be awful in that charity world. Uh, but what I love is I wasn't speaking to a bunch of people who clenched their fists tightly with what God has blessed them with. That you guys had, didn't hold on tightly and you res responded in a generous and abundant way. We actually don't have all of it counted yet, but as soon as we know numbers, we will get that to you. You will know when we know, um, but it is just evident that we are well on our way to meeting our goal. And so if you haven't given, there's still place, places to give to the uh, to the the way forward campaign you can do that online or you can do that in the with those envelopes in the back but thank you so much i just y'all are a church that is generous and has blessed us and and just rachel and i and our kids um we just were blessed to be with you guys and so i'm so thankful for that i have uh grown up with the gospel of jesus being about uh, the cross. If I can just go to the cross, then there I will find salvation. And that is so true. And that's what's crazy about things we, we learned growing up or experienced in our upbringing is a lot of it is true. You were very afraid of natural disasters when you were a kid, or when I was a kid. I grew up in just tornado after tornado. But when I was real young, I was more afraid of quicksand. Because that's what all the cartoons dealt with. Now, I was right to be a little nervous about the world around me. That's an okay thing to feel. But quicksand probably wasn't necessary, was it? It was an unnecessary fear. You're, you're, you're right, but not fully right. Not all the way there. That's just how the world works. My son thinks that I can protect him from anything. The truth is, I will try. But there's a lot of people who can beat me up. I'm not even at the top of the list. 
I mean, there's bees. I don't know how to protect him from bees. But he thinks I can, and he's close. I'll try. The cross is one of those things where, yes, if we go to the cross and we find redemption at the cross, we find forgiveness at the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, of course, that's true. But sometimes what can happen there is it can turn into a sin evaluation and a sin eraser. Where I sin and then I ask for forgiveness. I was uh, in a, my first time in an adult class. That's always a big deal. You get kicked out of the teenage, teenager's class, go to an adult class. I'm sitting in there just thinking, just be quiet. You're just here to listen and learn. The main topic of the conversation was, if you get hit by a train and swear right before you die, are you let in to heaven? Now, some of you are thinking, that's absurd. And some of you are thinking, well, what is it? The truth is, is if you get hit by a train and don't swear, they make you a saint immediately. <laughs> you win. It's not even just like, do you get in? Like, it's, it's like, good job. Peter's going to, no, Peter's not the, the bodyguard. That's always funny. We treat Peter as like the guy out front. Like, uh, you, yeah, you know, you, yeah. But they're going to say, why? I watched it and I swore, you're, you know, you're doing great. You can take my position. No, but that was a serious thought. Is they knew the cross forgave their sins, but they were confused as to when. And really wrestling with, like, how much sin gets forgiven? How much grace do we receive? And so it still becomes... A meritocracy of sorts. Like if I, if, I, if I have the right merits, if I have the right good deeds, if I've done the right things, then I will receive. Well, where do I draw the line on how many right things there are and how many good deeds there are? And what exactly will Jesus forgive? Will Jesus forgive me being wrong about the Bible? Will Jesus forgive me from thinking this thing, so I, therefore I do this thing on Sunday morning when you think I shouldn't be doing that thing? Does grace forgive that as well? And we can get wrestled, we can tie ourselves into knots trying to figure out what exactly the cross does. And what's crazier is how. We'll say, well, you know, it's like a tone, like we were guilty and therefore, and we'll try to come up with analogies and how exactly the cross forgives. And if you get that wrong, does the cross forgive that? Whole fields of studies dedicated to this. And Jesus, I think, wishes we would see him alive. And see the hope that we find in a resurrected Savior. And give up 
the, be set free from the chains that bind us to our own brokenness. In the end, our brokenness is inevitable. I'm not saying like, oh, we're all sinners and we all, we all sin every day and we say we're full of sin and we have the first prayer and it's forgive us of our many sins and then we have the second closing prayer and then that person says forgive us of our many sins and everyone's wondering what were they doing during church that got them from the first prayer to needing it in the second. Is it a ledger like that? Or do we live a very free life with the confidence to go before God, with the confidence to be in the presence of God, not completely like like we are holy, but knowing that when we go into the presence of God, God does not condemn us, but makes us holy. And that the resurrection of Jesus, what we find there is hope. I, I don't want to be saved and not have hope. To be saved but be worried. And I've been there. I've lived that. People who have been confident their whole life. It's a joke about the churches of Christ. Is that we are. And it's a joke I made up. So don't steal it. But we, churches of Christ, traditionally have thought they're the only ones going to heaven, but we're not even sure about that. That tends to be how we function. Think we're the only ones saved, but we have no hope. But when Jesus walked out of that tomb and conquered death, what settled in on the brokenness of the world is a hope that not even death can touch. We have, we have inherited from our king a life after life after death. This is still from N.T. Wright's phrasing. Like, our resurrection is certain. We have hope. Death can't touch us. It's lost its sting. What's interesting to me about this whole passage, and this whole passage, whole passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, is him trying to get the Corinthians to refocus on the good news that he shared with them, that Jesus did indeed die. He did raise from the, he was risen from the grave. He did raise from the grave. He resurrected. And now, and that he, he says, and we all saw him. And Paul says, and I saw him last. But it happened. Now, the reason he's saying this, the reason he has to tell them this, like if I walk into a room and I see Nolan and I say, hey, put that cookie down. It would make zero sense if he had no cookie. Anytime that Paul says something in a letter, it's because he needs to in that direction. He's not going to waste words because writing letters was expensive. He's not going to waste that postage on a, on a long letter in which he has to... He, but he's, he's coming to the end of his argument and he's saying, you guys are claiming there's no resurrection from the dead. That when we die, we just sort of float off to the afterlife and that's it. 
But if, if there is no such thing as the resurrection from the dead, then Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Paul here in less words is saying, what do you think, Jesus is going to be the only person in the kingdom of God with skin? We're all going to be restored. We have hope in that. We have hope. Listen, when I was a kid, I wanted desperately to go to heaven, but I didn't want to be there. Does that make sense? Like, going just because there were two places you could go, and it just it was an obvious choice. But being there seemed like it was a bore. Being there seemed like it was just, I'd been to church. And if it was just that forever... I don't know. I didn't have the same response as the people in the wonderful, wonderful people in the pews worshiping God on a Saturday singing, looking at each other. I hope this is what heaven is like. I'm just thinking, no. I'm struggling with that. But what I find as I, as I get to know Jesus and what those people were experiencing too, not that they were wrong, I was wrong. What they were experiencing was closeness with the one who brings me hope is the way to live and the way I hope I get to live when I, when I come back to life. Closeness with the one who rescued me. Worshiping the one who rescued me. That's, hope, that's how I want to live now. And that's how I'll get to live later. Did you know that bad company corrupts good morals? Do you know that's in this passage? It's so weird to me. It's like I know. That's one of those verses you know. Bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15.33. You know bad company. Don't hang out with people who wear do-rags, hats backwards, stuff like that. Bad company corrupts good morals. You hang out with bad company, you'll be bad people. Now, what's funny, though, is it's right smack dab in the middle of Paul ranting about these people who don't believe in the resurrection. Who are claiming that there is no such thing as the resurrection from the dead. And Paul's saying, you hang out with those people. And, and notice, it's a belief system here. He's saying, you guys have rejected the proper belief that Jesus, is gonna that Jesus was raised from the dead. Therefore, you too will be raised from the dead. And right in the middle, he says, bad company corrupts good morals. We have tried so hard to be saved and good. But without hope, without hanging around people with hope, Good's just a dream. Because you can, you can try and try and try and do and, and sometimes succeed. I did the right thing. I said the right thing. I held the right door. I, I wore the right clothes or whatever nonsense morals we've placed on ourselves. But it's people with hope who affect the world around them. 
the bad company here were people who believed. They believed in Jesus. They believed in Jesus, but the resurrection just made no sense to them. And us being resurrected made no sense. Hope made zero sense to them. But it is our hope that makes us hopeful. It is our hope that makes us good. That allows us to freely take risks with the grace God has given us. What if, you know, if I eat with that sinner, what will people think? If I love that person, what will people think? Have you heard that? Have you felt that? You couldn't even go to the bathroom in a liquor store when I was a kid. Because what if God saw your car there? Or even worse, what if Sister Betty saw it? I mentioned Sister Betty. Miss, Miss Betty was my favorite. I love Miss Betty. But you didn't want, you didn't want to be seen as something. But what if our goal was not to be seen as righteous or seen as good, but what if our goal was to be seen as a people with hope? In a world where hope is a very valuable commodity. It seems like Christians can stand on, uh, on milk crates and yell that the world needs forgiveness. And that's true. But the world also needs hope. Forgiveness is our default with Jesus. But what we need to add to that message is the hope of the resurrection. You do find forgiveness. But then it's not forgiveness and now just you better watch it. Make sure you're good. But it's we have forgiveness. And we have hope. Jesus says something very interesting in the Sermon on the Mount in which he, he talks about uh, the rain and the sun. On both the good, God sends the sun to shine on the good and the rain to pour on the good. And he sends the sun to shine on the bad and the rain to shine on the bad. Or, you know, whatever. Whatever rain does. I'm not a scientist. So, we've always taken that as, you know, good things and bad things happen to good people and bad people. That's because we don't live necessarily in an agricultural society. We live in our world, and our world contains Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown, when the rain was pouring on his head, meant that bad things were happening. Just one little rain cloud following Charlie Brown around. But what Jesus is saying about God is that God offers blessing to his creation. 
In their day, sun was good. And in their day, rain was good. He's not saying God in, you know, in, uh, impartially divvies out good things and bad things to people. He's saying God is a blesser of human beings, of mankind. And what we find in that God, the God who sends the, the, the thirsty ground, the rain, and the sun onto the world, the, the, what we find in that God is hope. We don't have to be seen as the good people. There are tons of good people who don't know Jesus. But what the world needs from us is, yes, let's talk about the cross. The cross does offer forgiveness for brokenness. But the, resur- the resurrection, the empty tomb, that brings us hope that we can't even put into words, but they have to see it in our life. A hope that frees us from worry. We are saved and hopeful. We are saved, we are forgiven, and we are hoping for that new life. We know it's coming. My uh, Nolan got the Amazon catalog in the mail just this past, um, and so we're fil- we are filing for ban- bankruptcy. And <laughs> no, he's he was looking through it, and I said, "Hey, buddy, why don't you just X out the stuff you don't want? <laughs> Won't waste so many pens." Then he came back out later, and he said, "Ah, that would take too long. There's a lot of baby stuff in here, but man, he's circling a lot of stuff." And he's hoping for all of it. And he's not going to get all of it. But all we hope for in God, we receive. All we hope for from God, God gives. And all we're, all we're planning on, God preparing for us, God is anxiously awaiting us to show up brokenness at the cross is forgiven it's redeemed when jesus walked out of the grave we have hope that matches no other hope in this world let's pray together our father you are good to us you are holy We are broken. We know you know that. We know you are uh, proud of us and redeemed us anyway. Forgive us when we get so caught up on how good we're supposed to be. And help, help our strength not be our own moral character, but our hope that we find in you. Help our strength come from the grace and redemption we find in you. And may we be upright, may we be righteous, may we be holy as you are holy. But not out of a sense of duty, but from the strength we find and the hope we find in you. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.